theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Come on and give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Is this anybody's comfort this afternoon? Hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus. He's my comfort. And he always holds me close. Praise God. My name is Akil Thompson, and I have the pleasure of serving as pastor here at Extraordinary Church. And we are so thankful that you're with us. We say it, but we mean it. It's a part of our DNA. We are the perfect church for imperfect people. And we're so glad that you're here with us today. You're at a safe place, a loving place. You know, this is the culture, I believe, of the kingdom. Um, and I am willing to fight for this culture, this kingdom culture. I will protect it at all costs. I believe this is the secret sauce. Uh, us being able to be authentic and uh, really pursue and fulfill a kingdom mandate. So I want you to know we're not about religion because religion is not changing anybody's life. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is doing so. And so we invite you to that. We invite you to experience extraordinary life in Jesus. Well, I talked about our attendance uh, for our annual friends and family. And I give God praise what I should have celebrated too in addition to is we have three people baptized in the name of Jesus Christ the last two weeks. We've had two receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to give God praise. Hallelujah. That's extraordinary. That's extraordinary life. And we celebrate that in Jesus' name. Do me a favor. We have a declaration we like to make. If you have your Bible, uh, get your Bible ready. If you have your Bible app, Go ahead and get your Bible app, um, and what you'll do is you'll take out your phone, Marcus, right? And you'll actually open up the Bible. I'm just I'm teasing. <laughs> a few weeks back, he had lifted up that phone, and he probably did have his Bible app open. I couldn't see. I was just picking on him, just assuming. But go ahead, and um, how many of you appreciate this band doing a fantastic job, by the way? Appreciate them. Praise team doing an amazing job. But get that Bible in the air. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Praise God. If you believe that, clap your hands unto the Lord. All right. Well, um, you know, preachers are a unique animal, a uh, unique breed, because typically... When we preach, uh, you would think maybe we'd be fatigued, um, you know, if we preach two or three times in a day. But what I have found in my experience is that just gets my engines revved up, praise God. So, AC fam, uh, I'm already primed and ready, praise God. I'm just, I was preaching in Pickering, and we, Lincoln and I, were, were moving on the 401 to get here when we got here. Uh, but we celebrate the Lord did a powerful work over there at APC and we give God praise, and Bishop Castro sends his regards. Let's go ahead and look at Romans chapter 13. Appreciate that church. They've been great friends, and I find myself over there a few times a year and just rejoice in what the Lord is doing. Do rejoice in what God is doing throughout the entire GTA. The kingdom of God is here. 
Praise God. The kingdom of God is here, and it's bigger than Extraordinary Church or APC. It's bigger than one particular church. It's the kingdom of God. And so I celebrate that. Romans 13 and 11. Then we're going to go to Acts 20 and 7. And then we're going to go to 2 Thessalonians. And I'm going to share with you one of my life verses. So stick with me. Look at Romans 13 and 11. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today. Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them. This is Luke speaking. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Don't have y'all doing that in this place today. Uh, finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. That's when you know it's a New Testament church. Miracle, miracle signs and wonders you raise the people from the dead. Paul, go back to preaching. Let's eat and let's keep them about our business. Praise God. I wish to God, I believe that's going to happen here at Extraordinary Church in the name of Jesus. Don't anybody fall out though. Praise God. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well and everyone was greatly relieved. And then 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 8. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you. In other words, they humbled themselves. We were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. And I want to preach this afternoon this thought, the great restoration. The great restoration. I was torn over what to title it, but that's what I've titled it this afternoon. Would you help me pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare that this gift of faith is being released in this place. I believe you've spoken to us and told us that Extraordinary Church is a place of restoration. Come and do what only you want to do. Anoint me to preach and teach your word with relevancy and with accuracy. Anoint the hearer, God. Help us to be engaged and let our hearts be wide open to receive what you have for us today. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord. You may be seated in his presence. I do want y'all to help me preach today. Praise God. But as I mentioned, I was slightly torn over what to title this message today, uh, but I decided to call it the Great Restoration. I believe we serve a God who can restore. Thank you, Pastor Barry, and somebody else, I don't know who that was, but I need somebody on this side to help me. I believe God is a God of restoration. Praise God. And how many of you all believe that God has a plan for people who have fallen? I believe God has a plan. I, I, I thought about, I even downloaded the video uh, because I thought about preaching or titling this message, Help, I've Fallen. 
I can't get up. You'd have to be an 80s kid to really understand that reference. At least Alex, who is not an 80s kid, but understands. Uh, I'm just kidding. He's not up here to give me that baseline retort. Um, he knows the commercial I'm talking about. It was like this lifeline medical emergency deal, and they had like this big box, and the lady was in the bathroom, and she was like, help, I've fallen. I can't get up. Almost uh, downloaded the video and edited it and was going to play it tonight. But I want you to know today, if you have fallen, you can get up. You can get up. As a matter of fact, Proverbs tells us in chapter 24, verse 16, for a righteous man may fall seven times and arise again. I want you to know if you've fallen, you can get back up by the grace of God. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay in your mess. You don't have to stay in your dilemma. And don't believe the lie of the devil who tells you it's over, that your failure is final. I'm here to debunk that notion right now and tell you, you can get back up. You can get in the race. God can restore you. And that mistake, that failure is not final. God is not done with you yet. He has the final say. And if anybody can testify to that, you ought to stand and give him praise because he's a God who is just. He's a God who is gracious and merciful. And if you've fallen, you can get back up. Come on and give him praise. Praise God. Tell, tell your neighbor, you can get back up. Come on, look at him like you mean it. Tell him you can get back up. Praise God. If you've been dropped, you can get back up. If you've fallen, you can get back up. If you've made a mess, you can get back up. I believe in Jesus' name, it's time for you to get back up today. Praise God. And it's interesting, this is Paul's third missionary journey. He's essentially wrapping up his missionary assignment. He has really uh, given birth to the Gentile church, and God has used him greatly, and he's going back through the places where he planted churches and set up infrastructure for the gospel of Jesus Christ to thrive. And as he's doing that and trying to connect with believers, that's why I shared that passage with you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, because Paul said, not only did we share the gospel, but we also gave you our lives. And so Paul, because he had invested so much, he said, I, I cared for you like, like you were, like I was a nurturing mother. And he understood that it's not enough just to get the word in you. I've got to show you how to live this out. I've got to do life with you. Can I tell you, it's important that we do life with people. The body of Christ, we need one another. We need to be there for one another. And Paul not only shared the gospel, but he shared his life with people. And so now what he's doing is he's reinforcing what he has deposited into the lives of these believers. And we come to this place in the book of Acts chapter 20 where he's spending literally every precious moment he can with these disciples, with these believers, with these early leaders or leaders of the early church. And here's why he's doing this, because Paul understands that his time is limited. And the reason why he's preaching with such fervor and not, uh, not for a lack of regard for time, but he has the understanding that God has deposited something on the inside of him that's necessary for these believers to hear. Can I tell you, time is limited. 
you and I have to recognize that we cannot manage time. That's a lie from the world. Time will manage you, but you can steward your energies. One thing I think we all understand is we have a limited amount of time. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how connected you are. I don't care how deep your pockets are. I don't know what resources you might have in the bank, how influential you are, or how many people you lead or don't lead. It doesn't really matter about what you have. At the end of the day, when it comes to this commodity called time, it is limited. You and I cannot buy more time. That's why we have to be good stewards of the time that we have. And we all need to make sure that moms and dads and preachers and teachers and pastors on our staff, we need to make sure that we're spending as much time as we can pouring into other people. Because God has so generously poured into us. And because the reality of it is, we will not be here forever. Paul understood that on the next morning, if you read this in the context that it's there, if you read this, uh, he, he understands that he's getting on a boat and he is leaving. And he knew he needed to impart what God had given him to the people. And so you read this, and when you read in Acts chapter 20, you're thinking to yourself, uh, wait a second, is he preaching or is he holding them hostage? Because he's preaching and he is going and he is flowing, but he understands something. Because here's what I want you to understand. He's trying to deposit something into the next generation. And when you're trying to deposit something in people, you don't have time to play games. You don't have time to worry about all the frivolous stuff. You understand you have one mission and one agenda. And one of the assignments of Extraordinary Church that's on this house, we will be as fathers and mothers. We will raise up the next generation. We will empower this generation. We will launch them further than we will have ever gone. Can I tell you, we will reach this generation. We will impact this generation, and we will allow them to minister. We will enable them to minister and to serve and make a difference in their world. If you believe in our young people and young adults, you ought to give God praise. You ought to celebrate the fact that we have young people and young adults here who have heard the call of God and are responding and saying, I don't want what's out in the world, but I want what Jesus has. I don't want what the world has to offer. Give me Jesus. Praise God. So he's departing this into this generation. And I believe wholeheartedly that's one of the assignments of Extraordinary Church and my pastorate. We will do that. And, and if we're not careful... If we're not careful, if we don't get kingdom business right, I'm concerned that some of us will miss the mark. Some leaders think, and it's, you know, I don't know you all, you know, typically, to you probably ask this question. You, uh, it's, it's, I'm not vilifying you. Uh, it's, it's never been one of concern to me. But whenever I have visited a church or I'm talking with the pastor or if I myself have felt like the Lord is leading us in transition uh, somewhere, I, I'm not concerned about the size of the church. That makes no difference to me because if God has called me there, I'm just there to do his bidding and do his will. I'm not concerned about the size of the church. But I want you to understand, uh, there is, uh, there's nothing wrong with growing. I believe the church should be as big. You've heard me say it. As long as there's one lost soul, the church is too small. But if we're not careful, I think we believe that the mark of tremendous leadership is how big we build something. 
Listen to me. Revelation may indeed generate or construct a following, but revelation and the gospel of Jesus Christ is here to build big people. We're here to build people. And sometimes as leaders, we're more interested in increasing the number of followers than we are in growing people. We are here for people, and God has assigned us to this region. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about building people, building big people. I believe we're raising up pastors and teachers and singers and worship leaders and missionaries. I believe we're raising up doctors and accountants and people that will affect the realms of politics and culture. I believe we're raising up big people. God did not call us to stay within the four, world, four walls of this church. We are here to affect this region. And so while I believe we're the fastest growing church in Canada, can I tell you, we are here to grow big people. We are here to build big people. This is not about Akeel Thompson, and it's not about extraordinary church. It's about the kingdom of God. If you believe that, somebody ought to give him praise. Jesus was never interested in building a massive following. As a matter of fact, he invested his time into a few people. He pulled three aside. He pulled 12 aside, and he began to talk to them. And what I love about it is he gave them all that he had. He said, I'm not going to be here on earth forever. Paul understood this too. The Lord was like, I'm about to bounce out and ascend on a cloud, and one day it's coming, and when that day comes, I'm out of here, and you are going to be the light in the middle of this dark world. I want to make sure that we understand here at Extraordinary Church that, we're, that, yeah, God is growing His church, and I celebrate that. I give God praise that He is growing Extraordinary Church. But it would be a travesty for us to have a growing church and shrinking people. It would be a travesty for us to have a growing church and run 200, 300, 400, launch campus after campus after campus, but yet have shrinking people. Can I tell you, it's so important that you get connected. Let me just play pastor for a moment. You have got to model the attitude of a lifelong learner. Otherwise, you're not going to grow, but I want to help you because we have systems in place to help you experience the extraordinary life that Jesus Christ has for you. And if you're not sure where to take those steps, I want to help you. Pastor Barrett, we want to help you take those next steps. You need to join us after today's worship experience in our guest reception. The guest reception is a great place to take that start. And then after that, we have a wonderful place called Growth Track. It's virtual and it's online. You can do it uh, virtually almost any time, but we're going to help you discover or find the extraordinary life. We're going to help you build an extraordinary life and then experience the extraordinary life. What we're doing is equipping you and growing you and stretching your capacity. And you can register online. Yes, I know that's a shameless plug, but if you are trying to figure out what is next for you, you need to jump in. And let me just tell you, you might be wondering, well, how do I know, Pastor Akeel, if Growth Track is for me? Growth Track is for only two types of people. Two types of people. You ready? Those that have made it through Growth Track and those who haven't made it through Growth Track. If you've not made it through Growth Track, it is for you. And we want to help you. Another way that we help you live out your faith is being a part of our midweek Bible connections every Wednesday at 730. And this is intentional. We do this virtually so that you can have church in your house. 
Who was that? Thank you. That was like one golf clap. Thank you, Kirk. I appreciate it. We d- the church, can I tell you, is only as strong as our families are. You should gather around the TV, turn that bad boy up, get your wife, your husband, your children, your grandchildren, your cousins, your neighbors, everybody, have them gather around and have a move of God. We are called the church, and it's not just on Sundays. It's Wednesdays when we come together. As a matter of fact, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So join us. Be involved. Get connected. Don't watch on demand. Don't watch while you're out gardening. I'm telling on some of y'all. Or matter of fact, your kids are telling on you. Praise God. Don't watch. Take, this is 60 minutes. 60 minutes. We're usually done pretty promptly at 830. That will strengthen you and help you live out your faith and what Jesus Christ is doing in your life. This is why we're here, and we want you to be a part. The last thing I want to mention in trying to help you live this out is e-groups. You got to be able to do life with people and find freedom, and we need one another, and this is great. Come on Sundays, do this. High-five Nadine and Aunt Tricia, and high-five Joyce and Bella and Kira and Jamil and Kesha and Gavin. Do all that. But isn't it great how you can high-five somebody, and you'll be like, man, this is the friendliest church. I love these people, but you don't really know any of them. You want to begin to do life with people. And in a small group setting, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to be known, and you're going to know others. And when you begin to get involved in a small group, you're going to be like, wait a second. Now, it was my church, but man, now it really is my church. And I want to encourage you, this works. And if you ask, well, Pastor Kiel, how do you know it works? Because it's biblical. Right there in the early church, they went from house to house, uh, meeting and breaking bread and praying and steadfast, remaining steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. So it would, be an ex- it would be a travesty, Pastor B, to sit in extraordinary church and not have extraordinary faith. It would be a travesty to come to extraordinary church and not have extraordinary expectation. I want to make sure that, you know what, the time that we have left, Uh, The Psalm of Moses says, teach me. Give me a heart of wisdom. Teach me to understand the number of my days. Whatever amount of time that we have left, I want to be busy about the kingdom of God. I want to do like Paul. God, I want to be about your business, and if it's not your business, I'm not interested in it. So I love this room. When you look at this text here, you look at Acts chapter 20. Verse 7, it's the first day of the week, and the disciples are coming together, and they're, they're breaking bread. I want you to look at verse 8. Uh, and as they're breaking bread, Paul's ready to depart, and he's preaching until midnight. But there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. Now, I want you to understand, this is a room of illumination. At the moment I walked in, we were set, we were set uh, our team is set up, and I immediately noticed these lights weren't on because they light up, they brighten up the stage, if you will. And now these were not, you know, these were not these kind of flickering lamps, if you will. These lamps were fueled by the oil, and, you know, the oil is what they would use to sustain the burning of this lamp. It was their fuel. And if we're going to be anything today, we need to make sure that we are a church where the oil is present. 
If you understand what the oil is, the oil is a source of fire. It's a source of light. And if I don't know about you, but we don't have time. I preached about it before. We need to be an oily church. We need to be an oily church. We don't have time for oil-less church right now. We need the oil. We need the oil in the lamps. We need the oil in our spirit. I could talk to you about the ten virgins. Five were wise and five was foolish. And what was the differentiation between the two? It was the amount of oil that they brought with them for the journey. And my concern is, as the Lord is quickly returning and approaching, if we're not careful, we'll be running around and we will not be full of the oil. We we need the oil of the Holy Ghost flowing in our lives. We need the oil on our families. We need the oil in our churches. We need the oil in our ministries. We need the oil and we need to be full. Somebody say oil. Because if we don't have the oil, we know darkness is coming upon this earth. And how will we face the darkness without the oil? And let me just tell you, the Spirit of God takes no pleasure for the church living in darkness. I won't be much longer. Paul would tell the church at Thessalonica, you are not the children of the night. You are the children of the day. We are not like people on social media walking around talking about everything that's falling apart and what's going to happen and no one has, every hope, has any hope. Every bit of that may seem true to people who are walking in the darkness, but to those who have oil in their lamps, our children of the day, and we are not overtaken, we are not overcome, we understand greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world, and light is not the product of our own power or our own intuition or our own education or our own ability. Light is the result of having the source of oil on the inside, that when the presence of God touches it, something lights up and it burns for all the world to see. I want the people to see the glory of God, the power of God, the mercy and the grace of God. I'm telling you, I want them to see a fire in me that cannot be contained. The light is sustained by the oil, and we need the oil. So, Paul is preaching, and as he's preaching, he loses track of time just like any good Pentecostal preacher would. Praise God. He's preaching, you know. You might say, well, he's preached too long. It's not relevant. He didn't have to preach all that. I know some preachers are like, if you can't say it in 30 minutes, don't say it. Some of y'all like Pastor Kill, you're already at that place. Hurry up, wrap it up. But relevance isn't in technology and lights, cameras and action. Relevance is in the message. Now, I'm not against lights, and if we had more and this was our space, it would be completely decked out. But relevance in this hour is can you help a blind man see? Relevance in this hour is can you help put a broken house back together? Relevance in this hour is not are you cool. Relevance is I'm lost, I'm undone, I'm broken. Can you point me to Jesus Christ? That's relevance. And Paul is preaching here, and he's lost track of time, and he probably started in the evening and is going on for several hours. And you might want to know, why is he going on for several hours? Because what's happening internally in Paul and in this world is greater than the influence of what's happening on the outside. In other words, the light in the upper room where Paul is teaching and preaching the disciples is greater than the darkness that's going on outside. 
Let me tell you this. When you're in a room when there's light and the oil is there and the fire is burning and the oil is flowing, you'll forget about what time it is. If I get one more single solitary clap, I need somebody to help me today. Y'all looking at me like I'm just, I'm telling you right now. If we, if you have the oil flowing and the anointing is there, you forget about what time it is. I don't know about you, but you won't be worried about, oh, I got to get here and get to the roast, or I, I got to go run this errand. When the glory of God fills the house, and the anointing is there, and people are being healed and baptized, we could be here all night and wonder what's happening. We would not worry about the time, because the oil is flowing. Lives are being changed. I want to be a part of an oily church. An oily church. Praise God. So... What's happening is interesting because check this out. They're teaching. Paul is teaching him. And as he's teaching, there's a window. And in the window sat a certain young man named Eutychus. Now, let me just say this. This was, if you've ever been in our basement, if you've been to our basement, I remember, uh, I don't know how long ago this was, a year, year and a half. I can't remember when it was. It might not have been that long. COVID, you know, kind of did some stuff to mess up our internal clock. So my biological clock could be off. But I was actually flying out of town, out of the country, to go uh, preach. And, uh, you know, you had to get the COVID test to go into the states where I was. And, and I was waiting. The guy was like, you, I felt fine. He was like, you have COVID. I was like, no, I don't. I was like, shut up, bro. Shut up. And uh, he was like, no, I'm serious. He was like, he backed up from me a little bit. No, he didn't back up. He, wasn't, he didn't seem to be depressed. He was like, bro, look at this. You have COVID. I was like, what? I've got covid so I had to call the pastor and tell him, man, I can't make it. I know we planned for this weekend. I'm supposed to be with you. Uh, and my wife and, and kids uh, went downstairs. I stayed. They went down in the basement. And in the basement, you know, if you have a basement, there are smaller windows. You all know what I'm talking about. Um, and what they did is they put uh, pillows in those windows. So, like, the room is, like, blacked out. And so I can remember one time I was up and about, and I was like, man, ain't nobody come to check on me. I mean, I was fine. I mean, I was able to, I didn't stop working. I just didn't come around anybody because, so I, I don't know that, I, I won't go as far as to say I was asymptomatic, but I think I might have blown my nose three times. I don't know. So I was just like, I was good. We just didn't have any contact. And I was like, man, it's, it's late in the morning. How are they still asleep? What is going on? And what happened is when they blacked out those lights, you ever been in one of those rooms where you black out the room and you can become so disoriented, you forget what time it is. You forget what time it is. And so this is what a window will do. A window's like, this is why I love this room and this space because we have all this natural light coming in. It helps us understand what's going on in the world. And this light is coming in. This is what is happening here, though. I want you to understand this window is an interesting place because literally he is in a room, Eutychus. I'm going to help somebody right now. Eutychus is in the room where the oil is flowing, where the Spirit of God is moving. God is doing a profound work, and Paul is moving with urgency, and he's imparting everything that he has. As a matter of fact, he's about to leave the next day. Miracle signs and wonders are happening, and Eutychus is falling asleep. 
You know why Eutychus is falling asleep? Because he is literally straddling himself in two different spaces, two different environments. In other words, let me make it plain. He got one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Y'all not going to help me today. It's okay. I know this might be some, some old school preaching, but you got to understand, you can't straddle the fence on this thing. You can't sit on this windowsill thinking, you know what, I've got one foot in and one foot out. It will disorient you, and you will be satisfied with thinking you have a form of godliness, but you're denying the power thereof, and that's not the will of God. God wants to transform your life. Don't allow yourself to be rocked to sleep with the things of the world. And Eutychus is finding himself rocked to sleep by the things of the world. God is moving. The oil is flowing. And isn't it interesting? My man is fucking rocking into a deep sleep. Y'all know what I'm talking about. N nobody's done it here, but I have been in some spaces where I've seen people, they're like, they try to catch themselves, you know. We were, they just neck be bobbing and breaking. Praise God. We, we had our AYCers with us last week or the week before, and both Pastor Kyle's wife and, and, and mine, Sarah, they were knocked out, and they were taking pictures up, and they're like this, in the van just sleep, sleep. But you know what? What's interesting is Eutychus finds himself rocked to sleep by the subtleties of darkness. Can I tell you, the light and the dark cannot mingle. I'm going to help you out right now. If you're struggling, if you want to know why you're struggling and not experiencing all that God has for you, you cannot, you cannot straddle the fence and operate in both spaces. God is called, hear me, out of darkness. He's called you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. That's what the scripture says. Matter of fact, he goes as far as to say, you were once not a people, but now you are a people. Can I tell you, we need to not love the things of this world. The Bible says if we love the things of this world, then the love of the Father is not in us. Can I tell you, God is calling us. You need to evaluate and ask yourself, where am I? Am I straddling the fence on this thing? There's a relationship you need to get out of. What do you need to do? You need to run. If You got to be careful. Can I just give me two more seconds? Maybe two more minutes. You got to be careful what you watch. I told my son this today as I was driving. You know what? I said, I said we call it TV. I said, but what it's called is a television. I said, say it slow, Lincoln. He was like, tell a vision. I said, you got it. I said, that's why we don't watch just any old thing. Some of you wondering why you don't have a vision for your life or you're struggling with the visions that you do have. It's because you're allowing the tell a vision to tell you what you are to invest. I'm not making this stuff up. They named it appropriately. They're not trying to hide it. You need to understand, if you look it up, it will tell you literally that it will connect you to a medium, another world. 
If you are wondering why you're struggling, can I tell you, it's because you're feeding on things that will tear down your faith, but you need to say, I've had enough. I'm allow myself to be built up by the word of God being around the people of God I'm going to enjoy the presence of God I'm not going to feast on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat I'm going to consume the things of God so Eutychus he's in this place where he he's been rocked to sleep so subtly and you know being rocked to sleep when you're being rocked to sleep it's kind of like you can fight it. How many of y'all have ever tried to fight sleep? That's why I look so crazy. I remember one time, like, <laughs> I, was, I was in school. I'll never forget this. I never fell asleep in class again after this. Actually, it was like PSATs. Uh, do we do SATs in achievement test here in Canada? Patricia was saying no. Oh, if you want to go to an American school. Okay, gotcha. Patricia was like, nope. And she was like, I'm glad. I'm glad. She said it was such relief and conviction. But Sophia got some ambition. She was like, I was looking at American schools. And so you do have to take, okay, so praise God. So that makes sense. So we would have to take ACTs and a PSAT would be like, an ACT would be your achievement test and a PSAT was a practice SAT. Um, and so I can remember, uh, you know, your junior year, you start prepping because you want to get a, a decent score. Uh, you know, average, at least back in the day, was like 850, 900. And so it was like, okay, I got to score like 12, 1300. If I get to 1400, I'm doing really well. So, you're, you know, you're prepping and you're doing your work. And I was feeling really good. So I was done. I was done with that PSAT well in advance of the time. But they won't let you leave. Um, you have to all leave together. So I was like, man, I'm just sitting waiting. And I was like, oh. just head bobbing. And I was like, oh, you know what? I just... Because that was getting violent. So I was like, I'm just going to put my, my head on my desk. And, and uh, I, I was asleep, but I was trying to fight it. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, nobody said anything to me. But you know how you're falling asleep and you don't want to fall asleep? And I woke up and I was like. <sighs> and everybody was like. Are you good? You've had those moments when you fight that sleep. No matter how much I tried to fight it, Pastor Barry, it got me. Can I just tell you right now, I believe in you, but don't think that if you, don't think if you straddle the fence, the enemy won't rock you to sleep. You'll be right here like, man, I love Extraordinary Church. I'm in Extraordinary Church. God is moving. And then the moment you step out, you're like... Don't think that won't ultimately rock you to sleep. And here's the crazy thing. It rocked Eutychus to sleep. And when he was knocked out, what happened? Fell dead and gone. Can you? <laughs> Here is the destruction of it. But I got, I got good news. My man is gone. And he's, you know what? Paul... People are probably like, here's the assessment. I'm going to help somebody. Here's the great restoration. Come on. Come on, man. Y'all help me. We're going to be done because it's already 410. You might be wondering like, well, where is he going with this? Because that's not a good sermon. Like, dude is dead. What's up? What's up? Paul looks down. The people look down, and they look at him and say, he is dead. 
they pronounced him as finished. Can I just tell you, yes, some people in the church, oh my God, I feel my help. I can preach this thing, Pastor Barry. People in the church miss, uh, uh, inappropriately assessed my man Eutychus and wrote him off and said, it's over, he's dead, leave him alone. People that were right there and tapped in, they looked at a distance. But I believe God is raising up some fathers and some mothers who will do like Paul did and get a little closer. Get a little closer to the situation. Get a little closer to those that are brokenhearted. Get a little closer to those who've been overlooked. Get a little closer to those who have not been considered. Get a little closer to those who can't get it right. And as Paul got a little closer and held him, held him just like he did when he told the Thessalonians, I nurtured you like a mother. Paul says, hey, you know what? Come out, let me grab you to kiss. Oh, wait a second. I hear a heartbeat. I'm going to speak life over Eutychus. I know y'all think he's dead, but what I see in Eutychus is something different. I'm holding a promise. I'm holding the prayers of a mom and a dad. I'm holding a future minister. I'm holding somebody that's going to transform the gospel. I'm telling you, we serve a God who is a God who can restore in an exceeding abundant fashion. I've come to let you know today, extraordinary church, it's not over. God can restore your marriage. God can restore your home. God can restore your career. God can restore your ministry it's not dead until he says so so he picks Eutychus up brings him close you can all stand we gotta hurry I gotta get out of here I'm trying to do better Michelle told me is she in there she down there with the kids she said pastor she said the length of the sermon last week was excellent. It was perfect. I said, oh, I lost that guy. I was done at 415. Is that what you're trying to say? She said, it was perfect. I said, okay, I hear you. I hear you. I'm going to be done by 415. Praise God. And it's 412. But here's what I feel. There's people in this room who feel like Eutychus. You've been struggling. One foot in, one foot out. Maybe you've even fallen. Maybe even at a distance. Somebody in the church looked and said, yeah, they did. Sad. Shouldn't have happened. It's unfortunate. But you know where I feel like we're going? You know what was so powerful? This Friday, was it this Friday? Last Friday, I can't remember. Last Friday. Um, we had what I would say was the most profound move of God that I've ever experienced at Extraordinary Church. I had never seen anything like it. It was, my God, it was powerful. And we had a few young people begin to share their stories and what God was doing in their life. And you know what? They were sharing things like, man, I, 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 I really struggled with taking my life. In other words, they, 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 they talked about the hurt and navigating through things. They, they felt like Eutychus. 
this is really the impetus of this. That experience has left an indelible impression on me. I'll never forget it. We could have stayed there for hours. The glory of God was here in such a strong way. I had one of them tell me, they said, Pastor Akil, I've, I've never, they're like, have you ever been to, there's a big event in the States, it's called Youth Congress. And they say, have you ever been to that? You know, it's like thousands of people. I said, yeah, I've been. And they were like, this was much better than that. And here they were, laying like Eutychus. And the Lord reminded me of my call to this younger generation. This generation of young adults and teenagers. I'm not saying I'm anybody. But I'm just saying this generation is not dead, Pastor Barry. When I... When I get close to Douglas, you know what? There's a strong heartbeat. There's a call of God on his life. I told my son last night, you know what? I said, there's a call of God on your life to preach and to teach the Word of God. You are not mediocre, and you will not subject yourself to the opinions of others. You will fulfill the will of God. You've been destined for such a time as this. Not a follower, a leader, a leader of men, a leader of leaders. We are not here to create some culture of weak, anemic young people and young adults where they're in and out and don't know what they want to do. I'm telling you by faith, we're raising up a generation of young people and young adults who are apostolic and unapologetic about what, the, what God is doing in their life. Passionate to turn their world upside down. And somebody ought to give God praise. I believe that. Thank you, Becky. Because that same declaration, I believe for AJ and Sydney. I believe it for Raul and I believe it for Ana E and Amaya and Leo. I believe it for you, Ashu. I believe it for you, Gloria. I'm telling you, God wants to use this generation. I've not written you off. There's a call of God on your life. But there's others that are here. And you know what? If we're being honest, we all experience all types of things in the church. Church ain't perfect. So I hate to brush your bubble. Eventually, I'll probably do something to upset you. Sorry, I'm not doing it intentionally. It's not like I'm like, <laughs> I really want to upset Lorraine today. Just, we're just people. The only person I'm not going to upset is Lucia if she keeps cooking like she does for us. Praise God. That kind of food, I won't upset anybody. Praise God. That food is good. It's good. But there's many of you that may have felt like, you know what? They left me here. They left me here. Left me here in my hurt. Left me here in my anguish. Left me here in my confusion. How could they leave me here? How could they leave me for dead? And God is raising up mothers and fathers in this church. <laughs> raising up mothers and fathers like Pastor Barry and Nadine. Praise God. Who will go and say, no, she ain't dead like you think. There's a pulse. Matter of fact, praise God. I must speak life into this thing and I must speak hope and possibilities and callings. And, and in a moment, something's about to be resurrected. And we're not going to be shocked. We're going to be about it. And we're going to continue on. And you're going to get involved in the kingdom. But right now, 
the Spirit of the Lord is reaching for a few people. I'm so glad y'all joined us online. God bless you. Come back and see us. Next Sunday, we're going to have a children's dedication. It's going to be amazing. And we're just going to have a wonderful time in His presence. Come back and be with us in person. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.